Hey, CF family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I want to encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world. Giving is safe and simple. You can go to our app or you can go to our website, cfmiami.org give. Well, God bless you and I hope you enjoy this message. Hey, welcome all campuses. Hey church, are you glad that we have a savior who died on a cross for us so that every time we go to the cross, we cast our burdens upon his feet. Can you give a praise to God at all campuses? Amen. Let me pray for us on this Sunday morning. My Lord, we are just so grateful. My God, that you've given us this high privilege, oh Lord, to be able to gather, sing to you, Lord, and study your word. And Father, as we always ask, Lord, as we open your word, Father, give us eyes to see, give us humility of heart, Lord. And Father, let us always then walk in obedience and compassion, my Lord. Father, we love you and we thank you. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people say, amen. Hey, at all campus, let's go ahead and give it up for the Lord one more time. Hey, well, welcome everyone. It's great to see you here. My name is Zomar, and I have the uh, honor and the privilege of serving as lead pastor here at CF. And today we are concluding a series called The Conversationalist, where we have been tackling some pretty complex topics in society today. And um, we first go to God, right to God's Word, we hear a message, and then we sit down to have a conversation. And the last two weeks, we, the first, two weeks ago, we covered gender identity. Last week, we covered the topic of abortion. And today, we're going to be tackling the topic of homosexuality. And obviously, it's a topic that's out in society today, but it's one that we need to go to God's Word, see His truth, and then walk in compassion. Amen? And so if you have, if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 26 to 28, and you can follow along with me as I read, all right? Let's do what God's Word says. For this reason, God gave them up to this honorable passions. For their women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. The men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves a due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. That is God's word. Go ahead and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. And church, let me start off with this, because during COVID, like many of you, uh, Ashley and I, we binge-watched a bunch of different shows, and a show that I heard a lot of people binge-watch while they were stuck at home was the show The Bachelor. In fact, how many of you, by show of hands, have heard or have seen The Bachelor by show of hands? Yeah, it's a popular show. It's been around for like 20-something seasons or something like that. Now, if you're not familiar with that show, let me just give you a quick overview so you understand what's happening in there. Because the show, the show starts with one bachelor, and he is in pursuit of true love, the person who he's going to meet and end up marrying. And so it starts off with about 25 different women who are also searching for true love for a husband. And so the process starts, and it culminates at the end when the bachelor eventually selects one of the girls who he has a connection with, he gets down on one knee and he proposes uh, for them to get married with him. Now follow me here because one of the most famous bachelors in, in the show is, has to be Colton Underwood. Colton Underwood. And folks, Colton had it all. He was good looking. He had a charming personality. He was a professional football player. Um, he was even a virgin at the time of the show. I mean, this cat was everything a girl could ever ask for. 
And so the program begins by his story trying to find love, and he goes through the whole process. And as he's going through it, things are looking great, and in the process of the show, he starts falling in love with this girl by the name of Cassie Randolph. Cassie Randolph. And she's a super sweet girl, pretty girl, so they're getting to know each other, going on little dates, having little conversations, having little moments. And so they're just, you know, going through life, going through the whole thing. And folks, as the process was narrowing down towards the end of the show, Cassie sits down with Colton and tells him that she is really not in love with Colton. And so she ends up leaving the show and some of the girls are left behind. But folks, Colton is brokenhearted. I mean, devastated. This is a girl that he had fallen in love with and he was eventually going to propose. And folks, he was so devastated that he even left the show as well. Yeah, in fact, there's a famous scene where he gets up, leaves the show hanging, and he just jumps over the fence and is nowhere to be found ever again. Yeah, that, that's Colton right there. Now, folks, to make a long story short, Cassie and Colton eventually get back together. And, folks, they come back in the show, and things are going well, and it thinks like it's going to be happily ever after. But unfortunately, again, they break up, and Colton is again devastated. The church, the story doesn't end here. Because just a few months later, after Colton is literally devastated from losing the love of his life, he goes on Good Morning America, and he has an interview where he declares to the world that he is now gay. And folks, when that happened, listen, that announcement sent Bachelor Nation right into confusion, right? Because how could it be that the hunkiest bachelor of all time, right? The guy that all the women's going crazy, Colton, who was in love with Cassie, everyone was following the story. How could it be that now he's gay? And so now there's this confusion, okay, how do, what do we do with Colton? Like, do we celebrate him? What, what do we do? And eventually, Colton eventually meets someone else, a gentleman, and he starts dating him, and now he's actually engaged to be married. And church, let me just bring that whole story from The Bachelor over to our time today. Because just like Bachelor Nation, when Colton came out, they really didn't know how to process it and how to, you know, think of, of, the, of the whole situation I think there's many Christians, when, some, when they hear of homosexuality, when someone in their lives comes out in their life, you know, comes out and they say, hey, you know, I'm, I have homosexual feelings, sometimes I feel like Christians don't even know how to react. You know, they, they don't really know what to do, how to, how to go about it. Should I, should I accept this? Or should I go ahead and approve this whole thing of this person in my life? Or should I even admire it? Should I celebrate it? So, 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 so many times, Christians, I feel like they don't even really know how to process this whole thing. But folks, here's the good news. The good news is this, and it's a big idea for today. That God in his word, he's already been very clear to us on how we should approach this sensitive topic of homosexuality. Who knows, maybe right now you're sitting here at one of our campuses, maybe you're watching online, you're thinking, Omar, I'm, I'm tracking with you because I know what all the news media stations say, I know what Hollywood say, says, you know, I've heard different churches say different things about the topic, but Omar, I'm tired of hearing different views, even different opinions in the church. What does God's word say? What does God's word say? Because I want to have a clear understanding on this issue. We're going to find out from Romans chapter 1, all right? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 1. And church family, today I have four thoughts for us on this whole topic of homosexuality, all right? So write this down as point number one, and we're going to start very foundational, and we're going to be bringing, you know, I'm going to be building a foundation and then get to the issue, right? So follow through with me, all right? Here's the first thing we need to know. 
And it's this, that God has revealed himself so that we, mankind, would worship and enjoy him forever. Now, folks, listen to what God's word says in Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without what, church? What is it, all campuses? Excuse. Now, pause right there. Because God in his word has shown us that he has given us irrefutable proof to every person that he exists. And that's through nature, right? Just looking at nature, that is God's irrefutable proof that there is a divine creator. And the purpose of that is so that we would recognize that there is a God and that we would then worship him and enjoy our amazing God forever. And even though God has given us proof, listen, we turn to other things. Humanity turns to other things. And that's what scripture calls idolatry. In fact, write this down as big number two. I want you to keep tracking with me because we're building a case here. Idolatry is when we worship and enjoy created things instead of the creator. Now, folks, listen to what it says in the very next verse. It says, for although they knew God, right, they, they know in their heart that, that God exists, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and what's the next word? You could do a little better this morning. And what? And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So folks, do not miss this. Because God's word is showing us here that in each heart, in each human heart throughout history, there is a dark exchange that happens. And that is that claiming to be wise, we became fools, and we started to worship and enjoy created things instead of the creator. And family, for every person in human history it looks different. You know, we, look, we see in primitive cultures that we see people already start to worship, create little idols, and bow down before the little idols and have that, right? So in every culture, you see that even though God has shown himself, they create little idols. The people of Israel, when they left Egypt, what did they do? They exchanged God, and they created their golden calf. They worshiped it. We see now in modern days in Eastern cultures that we see sometimes, um, uh, we, we see at, at times uh, them going to statues and doing, you know, uh, rituals and sayings and things like of the sort. And folks, even in the West, in the, you know, in, in where we live in today's day and age, maybe you don't have little idols in your home that you bow down to every single day or people here in Miami. But the reality is that we have idols in our lives. You know, some people worship money, right, possessions, things like that. And so when they open up their social medias and they see all these beautiful places, there's something in them that kind of worships those things. Other people worship lifestyle, that if they live a certain lifestyle with certain groups of people, they're able to show that on social media. People see them, right? They worship this certain lifestyle. And can I tell you, even the good things in life, the blessings of life, like family, it's sad to say, but so many people worship their spouse and their children even above God. They reject God and their family becomes their idol. So here's what I want you to understand. The deepest problem of our lives, whether heterosexual or homosexual, is this, is this terrible exchange of the glory of God for created things. And here's what happens. After there's this dark exchange, right, in the heart of a person, God gives them up to this futile pursuit. 
In other words, it's almost like God gives people up to pursue these things, and he releases us to pursue the different idols in our lives. And folks, here's what's interesting. The first example that he gives right after this whole concept is this whole topic of homosexuality. In fact, listen to what God's word says next. For this reason, God gave them up to this honorable passions, for their women exchanged, notice the word exchange of the, just, uh, just before it was, it was mentioned, right? For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves a due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Now, family, the question that I hope that you're asking yourself is why would God give the example of homosexuality after he describes when we exchange God for created things? What would be, what, why would that be the first thing that God talks about? Well, it's because, write this down as big number three. It's because homosexuality is a vivid example of worshiping and enjoying a created thing, specifically your own sex. Now, church, don't miss this because homosexuality is not greater, is not a greater sin than other sins. In fact, in the very next verse, there's a long list of sins that all, so many of us struggle with, but rather it's one example, almost, it's almost like a, like a vivid dramatization of the fact that we've exchanged the glory of God for created things, specifically ourselves, even the deepest part of us, our own sexuality. And folks, not only that, but it's also a radical departure from God's plan for sexual relations. You know, there's why in the book of Leviticus, uh, where God lists a bunch of different sexual sins, along with sex outside of marriage, he says this, if a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. And so folks, here's what we need to remember about homosexuality. Write this down, letter A and B. That homosexual desires are not a sin, but rather homosexual actions are a sin. So, for example, you can be tempted to steal, but if you don't steal, you have not sinned. Same thing with homosexuality. You can be tempted with homosexual feelings, but unless you begin to engage in homosexual actions with other people, then it's a sin before God. And church, here's what I want us to remember. Just because desires are not sin doesn't mean that these struggles are something that's very hard and difficult for people to deal with. Because think about this. This deals with a very personal part of who you are. You know, your sexuality, who you're sexually attracted to. So it's something that's very you know, part, you know, something very deep and uh, part of who you are, of these feelings that, you know, we all, that we treasure, right? And not only that, but as opposed to someone maybe who struggles with alcoholism. Listen, if you struggle with alcoholism, don't go to a place where they're serving alcohol. Don't go to the bar if you don't want to be tempted. But when it comes to homosexuality, people who struggle with this, listen, they're around the same sex all the time. And so what I want us to really understand is that we need to be compassionate with, about, with people who struggle with this. Amen, church? Uh, and, and, and so if, if we know, but, but if we know that giving into homosexual actions, right, is a sin, how should the people of God respond to this whole situation, culture? Because the reality is that we're in the middle of Pride Month. And I don't have to tell you, you open up your phone app, you open up, the, you turn on the TV, your company may be promoting Pride Month, right? So it's all over the place. 
So how should the people of God respond to all of this? Well, write this down as big number four. The people of God, listen, must stand on God's truth. And here's the first thing we need to remember. Write this down as letter A. And that is that God loves and accepts those who struggle with homosexuality. God's word says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. See, the truth is that if God loves and accepts people who struggle with homosexuality just like anything, any, any other struggle, then listen, we as Christ Fellowship, that should be our heart as well, right? That we love and accept people who struggle with this. Now folks, there's a difference between accepting and approving. See, the world, especially now in Pride Month, here's what the world wants you to do. They not only want you to accept, right, people who struggle, oh, I'm sorry, people, uh, homosexuality, accept it. They also want you now to approve of homosexual actions. And not only that, but admire it, celebrate it. Hence, Pride Month, right? And so that's what the world wants. But, but folks, listen, what we see in God's word is that God and we as a people of God, listen, yes, we ought to love and accept those who struggle with homosexuality. But folks, we stop short of approving homosexual actions, much less admiring homosexual actions. And folks, let me just take the time for just one moment to address parents in this situation. Because what should a parent do, right, if their child begins to struggle uh, or even practice homosexuality? And so here's what I would suggest. And again, this, you know, I, I, if you've here, been here for a long time, you know I'm always teaching God's truth what, from God's word. This right here is just some of my thoughts, some of my suggestions for you, if you because there's nowhere in Scripture that tells you exactly how you should deal with this. But folks, I don't think that God's will is for you to never speak to your children ever again. You know, if your child is struggling with this, uh, my suggestion to you would be, if you find, by the way, if you find out that they're struggling with it, which most of the time parents will never find out, listen, if you find out, listen, remind them the fact that you love them and accept them, just like you always have. Yeah, we can clap for that. And not only that, but that, listen, you're going to help be with them through this process. That you're not, you know, pushing them away because of this. You, you actually want to help them through this process. Now, if they're practicing it, here's what I would suggest that you do. I would say start off by sitting down with them calmly. Don't let, you know, you're uh, being disappointed or whatever, but just sit down with them and just say, listen, Help them understand, have a transparent conversation where you help them understand the tension that you're wrestling with because on one hand, you want to love and accept them and encourage them and be there for them like you always have, but then the other side of you, because of your relationship with the Lord, you cannot approve of these actions. And it's really a, a hard tension to manage. But, but, but my encouragement to you, sit down with them and just level with them in a calm way and help understand really this unique tension that you as a parent you're now facing. You know, just recently I had a parent call me and ask me for advice, which by the way, every situation is different. So I think that parents need to be led by the Spirit of God in each situation is different. But I'm just going to give you an example of really how sometimes difficult these issues are. Because uh, their daughter is now, you know, the, the homosexual, and now they have a girlfriend, and they want to bring the girlfriend around. So the, the dad was like, Omar, what do I do, man? Like, I, I just don't know what to do. And I told him, listen, this is just what I would suggest to you. And I think every situation is different, but here's what I would suggest. If I were in your shoes, perhaps I would allow them to bring that person to the house to visit, you know, accept them just like Christ accepts everyone, right? Accept them and, and love them and be cordial, you know, and, and, and all that. But I will sit down with them and I will help them realize, listen, 
ask them to not be affectionate with each other in front of you. Because by them being affectionate in your presence, it's almost like you're implying that you're approving of the action. So for example, like, if someone struggles, if, if your child is, you know, is, you know is, is, is abusing drugs, you as a parent is not gonna allow your child to start doing drugs right in front of you, right? Same situation here. I will sit down with them and help them just understand, listen, this is a tough situation. We want to respect you and accept you and be understanding, but you also need to be mindful of the situation. So I can I just tell you that because these are just very complex top issues that, listen, there are many parents who are dealing with this nowadays, and I want to help you understand, like, you know, how to manage that tension, but ultimately you've got to be led by the Spirit of God in these situations. But folks, even though we accept those who, you know, we accept. Here's the, the great news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Write this down, letter B. That homosexuality, listen, can be overcome through Jesus Christ. Amen, Amen church? And so, you know, the gospel shows us, it's not like any other sin. Listen, there's someone who struggled with this you know, God is, is there for them and wants to help them overcome these, these issues. Now, one of the big questions that you hear in society today is whether you're born gay or you choose to be gay, right? This is the big debate. And what I would maybe submit to you is that homosexual attraction is not a choice. You know, you choose your behavior, but you don't really choose your attraction, so to speak. Now, the first question is, so are you born gay? Now, during the 90s, there was a huge push to try to find some sort of biological gene that shows that you are born with homosexual desires. Why? Because if you can find that, then you can establish laws according to that, and there's, that whole opens many doors you know, in, that, in that camp. But even though they did a, some research, uh, they have never been able to conclude that it's biological. Regardless of what you may hear, you research, they have never concluded it's biological. Uh, gay research acknowledged that they have never found technically a gay gene, so to speak. Uh, there's some studies, twin studies, where they look at twins, like identical twins. Uh, and the reality is that, in, that only in 20 or less percent of the cases, one, um, one twin is homosexual and one's, uh, I'm sorry, that in less than 20% of the cases, both uh, twins are homosexuals, which you would think if it's biological, if you're born with these things, then it will be close to 90%, 95% of twins being homosexuals. Well, you know, that, we don't see that. In fact, the American Psychological Association in their gay lesbian division, in their, in, in their site and in, in their department, they, they admit they've never found the origins of what they call a gay biological gene. So it's inconclusive there, but however, there are certain studies that, that also point to the fact that homosexual feelings could develop through seasons in life. So for example, there's some studies that show that um, children in the ages of three to five in that stage of life, when there's a lack of attachment to either father or mother in certain circumstances, that may already start leading them through a certain path that they will develop homosexual feelings. There's other studies that teenage, uh, depending on the, the crowd and the group of people, that also maybe leans, you know, tends to be more uh, higher percentage of cases. And then also, in some cases where uh, a person develops a unhealthy, close relationship with a person of the same sex, combined with rejection of the opposite sex, it shows that there's some cases that develop from that, but here's the truth. Whether you think you're born gay or not, right, regardless of where you fall here, here's the truth. The truth is that through Christ, homosexual struggle, just like any struggle, could be overcome. Can I get an amen to that? In fact, listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians because I think it's such a powerful verse about the reality of this. Listen to what it says. It says, do not be deceived Neither the sexually immoral, notice it's going to list a bunch of different things, that sexually immorals, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, 
nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, people who habitually engage in these things, God's word says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then notice what it says, very redemptive. And such were some of you, right? Such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Amen? And so what we see is that early on, listen, homosexuality, even though it's a sensitive topic in today's culture, listen, can be, it's something that, it's, that can be common in people, but it could be overcome through Christ and the Spirit of God. Now, when a person becomes a believer, here's what I want you to understand. It's not like these feelings just go away. Uh, just like if you, so, if you struggle with gossip, after you came to Christ, you probably still struggle with gossip still, right? Or whether whatever it is, whether it's anger. Listen, you, you, there's still moments of struggle through your life. But the good news of the gospel of Christ, right, is that through the Spirit of God, God through time will help us move forward and help with those feelings that we're dealing with. And so today, I'm going to invite someone who's going to come out here and share really their story of really the transformative power of Christ in their life. And so church family at all campuses, help me welcome Jessica Barrera. Go ahead and welcome Jessica. Hey, Jess. How you doing? Hey, God bless you. Come on in. Guys, give her up one more time. Show some love. Thanks. And Jessica, you know, thank you so much for, for joining us. You know, uh, this is obviously a very complex uh, topic. You know, it's out of society today. Churches rarely talk about this. And so the fact that you're sitting here with us and you want to just share your story means the world to me, to, 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 to us. And by the way, you, you serve at our church, you, yeah, in student ministry and online, in worship, right? So, <laughs> yeah, worship. Yeah. yeah so thank you so much for being here. No, thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's such an important topic. And on my way over here, um, I was just reflecting on a conversation that I had at somebody's dinner table. I think it was actually at Pastor Gideon's apartment. Uh, with his wife, Abby, and um, I remember telling her very honestly, I was crying, I was just saying, I wish this wasn't my story, I wish it could be anything else, and, but here we are. Amen. Show some love right now to Jessica, amen. Well, Jess, listen, you have a, you have a very powerful story of really how the Lord is faithful, right, to those yes. who seek Him. So Jess, just go ahead and share your story with us. Awesome. So, well, I mean, again, super surreal, but let's just start from the beginning. I mean, I've known Jesus since I was nine, and that happened through a pretty incredible set of circumstances. Um, when I was nine, my dad was actually really struggling with drug addiction. Uh, he was a pretty scary guy. It was a very hard time for my family, but the best thing happened. My dad got arrested. He got arrested, and while he was in jail, my mom was gathering up bail money, and a pastor was at the jail and shared the gospel with him. And when my mom got to the jail, the pastor also spoke with my mom, and from then on, we started going to church, and at a small church in Miami Lakes, my entire family got saved Amen. because of that pastor. <laughs> Praise God. So I've known Jesus since I was nine. Um, so I was no stranger to church life. But fast forward to when I was 11. I was in middle school, and I was what they call a church rat. I was there all the time. If you ever wanted to know where Jess was at, she was at church. So I was uh, in the kids' ministry. I was going to the youth ministry. I was actually volunteering in production. I was doing everything. I was serious about school, playing basketball, softball, all these sports and everything. So I stayed pretty busy, but at the same time, I was having these feelings. These feelings that I couldn't quite describe, but I was really having these sort of feelings around girls. And while other girls are getting all like giddy about boys and oh, he's cute and whatever, I was just like, okay, yeah, whatever. Um, but I was just feeling stuff around girls. But because I was so busy all the time, I never gave it any mind. So, you know, okay, you know, shove that to the side, busy with church, school, and all that stuff. Fast forward till I was 18. 
I'm 18, graduate, go off to college to Orlando. Um, so I'm out on my own, going to UCF. Go Knights! We got one person anybody, back there anybody. that went to UCF. No, no. Or maybe no, two. Okay, maybe two. <laughs> um, it's okay. <laughs> but I'm there on my own. And usually when people think about college, um, they think this is my opportunity to find out who I am, experiment, things like that. And while I didn't really approach it that way, and I didn't even really, you know, stop going to church. I actually still was going to church. Uh, but I wasn't really connecting to any one church. So I was doing a lot of church hopping. Wasn't feeling really connected. But I ultimately did find myself with a group of women uh, where we had mutual interests in, like, music and things like that. And fortunately, we were all believers. We all knew Jesus. So we would hang out all the time, go to each other's churches, uh, go to each other's houses, things like that, hang out over the weekends. But there was one particular girl in the group where we just started to grow closer and closer, and the relationship grew more physical and physical. And before long, I was finding myself realizing, hey, these feelings that I was having is actually this attraction towards women, and this actually feels pretty good. It actually feels quite natural. Like a square peg in a square hole, this is totally normal. And it was actually through her that I ended up meeting, honestly, the one, I believed. This was the girl that, you know, all things remaining constant, we would probably be together today. This is the woman that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. We were in love. And you know, we were positively happy. Everything was just supernatural. Everything was just, we were just happy. No intention of ending the relationship. Again, we we're both believers. And our families knew about it, knew about it, uh, at least knew each other. And, but all they thought is that we were best friends. They didn't know that what was happening behind closed doors. We'd go over to each other's houses and we'd spend holidays together and all that. But little did they know that we were actually in a very intimate relationship together. And so fast forward, I've now graduated from college. I'm still in this relationship with this woman, but now I'm serving at my local church and I'm serving in the student ministry and the pastor's wife is meeting with some of the female leaders and we go out to dinner. And we're having a good time. And at one point, she stops the dinner and she's like, hey, look, I've got to ask you a question. Um, don't be offended, but do you struggle with homosexuality? I said, no. Absolutely not. And she said, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you or anything. I just, I got a feeling, but no, I, I didn't mean anything. But I'm like, no, no, don't worry about it. Oh, my God, how'd she know? And so I was put in charge of the junior high ministry from then on out. And my job was to prepare messages for the junior high students and to deliver them and whatnot. And Pastor Omar, you will relate to this, where a lot of times you're preparing messages and it's really like the message ministers to you Absolutely. just as much as it ministers to everybody else. Yep. So as I'm preparing these messages and diving into scripture, I'm starting to fall in love with Jesus. Mind you, I've known Jesus since I was nine. But I'm really falling in love with Jesus now. And as my love for Jesus grows, guess what? So is my conviction. Mm. And as that conviction grows, the knowledge of how I'm dishonoring God, just it feels like drowning. I, it feels like literally heavy weights are on my hands and feet, and I can't live, I can't move. And so much so that to the point that one random day I was doing something so simple. I was pumping gas when gas was cheaper. <laughs> and 
I'm pumping gas. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep this a secret anymore. I have to tell somebody. I have to confess this sin. So I call up that pastor's wife who I bold-faced lied to, and I said, oh my gosh, hey, can, can I come over? Can, I really got to talk to you. Something serious. I really need to talk to you. She's like, sure, let's go ahead. Let's talk. Come over tonight. Sure, no problem. Oh my God, what am I doing? I'm about to tell her the worst thing I've been doing in my life. The church doesn't talk about this. To my knowledge, my experience with this topic of homosexuality was like, you're about to lose everything. You're going to get kicked out of the church. You're going to get kicked out of your family. You're out on the street. I'm about to lose everything. But let me tell you, that fear that I had of possibly losing everything was no match for the love that I had for Jesus and the conviction I had to honor him. So then I go over and I go to have this conversation with her. And wouldn't you know it, rather than being met with judgment and criticism and hate and, oh, you can't serve with us anymore and ripping me away from everything, I was met with love and grace and mercy. And this community of believers came around me to help me through this restoration process, this redemption process, and here I am today. Wow. Fast forward to today, I'm sitting here with you all, also recently engaged. Woo! To this really <laughs> cute guy. Tito. Right here. Tito's positively mortified because <laughs> I get to shout him out for every service. So, but praise God at what he's able to do. Amen. Can we encourage her again? Wow. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. And you know, you know I'm, I'm glad you shared your story with us. And I'm glad you shared your story with us because I think sometimes what happens is, you know, sometimes we have a view of, you know, homosexuality and, you know, and, and the parade and these extreme perception of what, you know, people who struggle with homosexuality, but I... I I'm so glad you share your story with us because it makes it more real. Like, people struggle with homosexuality just like they struggle with a lot of things in the church, you know? And so, you know, just the fact that we can hear your heart and hear your experience helps us understand, wow, this, this is something that people struggle with just like uh, anything else. And, you know, I, I love the fact that you said that the pastor's wife was just very loving and understanding and really accepting of you at that moment. And so, you know, you're part of our church. How's in, how important is it for us, to cry, for us as Christ Fellowship to always just be loving, understanding, and accepting of people who have to struggle? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what. It was really, it was really the difference. I actually had this thought on the drive here today that it was a difference between, honestly, me staying in the faith or me walking away from it. It was literally that crucial, her response. And when I think of the church and the church's response to people struggling with same-sex attraction, people coming from the LGBTQ plus community, like we need to understand that church needs to be the safest place for them. If we are anything but that, we're doing something wrong. We need to be a safe place for people. And so in order to be that, we need to come with that love and compassion that's not going to drive them away, rather than that judgment and aggression. Because let me tell you, they're getting that from the LGBTQ plus community. We need to be that here, and we need to show them Jesus. Amen. And I'm telling you, it was all the difference for me. Amen to that, huh? Amen. You know, just the reality is that, you know, by the grace of God, you know, you know, our, our, our reach at Christ was as far, you know, every week, and you're involved in online ministry, you know that our reach is between 15,000 to 18,000 people every single weekend, whether our campuses or, or, or online. And, you know, the Lord has just shown a lot of grace to our church. 
And chances are that there's people out there right now uh, at one of our campus right now, or maybe you're right now, you're watching online, and maybe you, you're struggling. Maybe you find yourself just like Jess, where you're kind of struggling with these feelings, and you don't know what to do with them, and um, maybe you're a youth, maybe a young adult, maybe you're an adult, and you're trying to figure out, how, what's my next step here? Because honestly, you're, you probably feel discouraged about the whole situation. So Jess, if you can just sit down and just Talk to one-on-one on, with someone right now that's struggling. What would, you, what would you tell them? I mean, honestly, my heart really breaks for people who struggle with this because I know. I know how hard it is. Like, you heard me tell my story in the span of 10 minutes. But what you're seeing right now is the product of 10 plus years of God working in my life. And God is still working in my life. Thank you, guys. And God is still working. This is, like Paul says, this is the thorn in my side. Like, I struggle with same-sex attraction. This is something that's with me, and I have accountability with me. And so for somebody who's struggling with this, I would say, be patient. Be patient with yourself. Have grace on yourself. Hmm. There are days it's going to be like an eternity. I'm telling you, there were moments where I just, all I wanted to do was call her. All I wanted to do was text her. All I wanted to do was tell her how my day went and tell her that I love her. That's all I wanted to do. Days can feel like forever. You take it one step at a time. It's going to feel like an eternity, but take it one step at a time. Be patient. But let me tell you, the behavior change doesn't come until there's a heart change. So first thing, start by loving Jesus. Amen. Start by loving Jesus. You could try to hoist yourself up by your bootstraps and try to like say, okay, I'm going to stop doing this, this, and this. But if Jesus doesn't have your heart, this is not sustainable. You're not going to be able to do it. Love Jesus first. Second thing, once you love Jesus first, find your identity in him. Pastor Omar, you said it's so great because uh, you were talking about how Jesus, like he, the, God formed us. In the mother's womb, he knows you so intimately. He made you with a purpose. So trust that creator God made you for a purpose, for a reason. And trust the identity that he has given you. Mm. After that, number three, have a community of people around you. You can't do this alone. The enemy is going to tell you to withdraw to isolate yourself. Don't do it. Surround yourself with a community of people who will walk with you. Let me tell you, there were days where I'm telling you all I wanted to do was talk to her. And so what did I do? I talked to my support system. I talked to my community, and they helped me through. Have that community around you. And finally, trust that the change will come. One step at a time, one day at a time, the, the change will come. Trust me. Amen to that. Hey, listen, wow, thank you so much for that. And, you know, Jess, one, one of the things that when we're talking sidebar, you, 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 sh you, you said this to me, and I thought it was so, you know, so, so insightful. You know, you mentioned that sometimes people who struggle with this, have, they have the wrong goal in mind. Mm. And so, can you share with them a little bit of what you told me? Because I thought oh, it was so insightful. I'm glad you reminded me. This is so important. <laughs> I think a lot of times when people look at homosexuality, they look at the goal of like, okay, you struggle with same-sex attraction, you struggle with homosexuality, the end goal is for you to end up in a heterosexual marriage. That is not the goal. That is not the goal. The goal is to honor God. Amen. 
The goal is to honor God with your life more than anything. So if that means that you end up in a heterosexual marriage, praise God. If it means singleness, praise God. Let me tell you, before Tito and I started dating, I was happy. <laughs> She's still happy. She's still happy. <laughs> I was happy. I was like, I'm going to go travel. I'm going to go serve. I'm going to do global missions. I'm going to go buy things. I'm going to live my best life. I was happy. I was, but you know what? I was genuinely happy because I was genuinely content in the Lord. My contentment was entirely in God because my life was finally honoring him. So again, the goal isn't the marriage. The goal is ultimately to honor God. Amen to that. My goodness. Yes, what, what, a, what a blessing you've been to us. You know, and, and one of the things I want to just you know, share with our congregation, you know, a defining moment in your life was when you approached someone, you spoke to, to them about it. And I want to encourage you, if you're out there right now and maybe her story is resonating with you, I, you know, I, I want to encourage you, listen, our pastoral staff here, uh, you know, we are here for you. We, you know, if, it will be obviously confidential, uh, it will be confidential, but it, whether it's one of the pastors here at Christ Falls or someone you trust, but talk to someone because... You know, this, just like when we struggle with other things, we talk to people about it, this is just the same thing. And so there has to be a moment that you take that step. And so listen, our pastors are here to serve you in, in, in the best way that we can. And then another thing that you said about your story that was very important was that you surround yourself with God's people. And listen, the place where you do that here at Christ Fellowship is in our small groups. And so, listen, if you're not in a small group, I want to challenge you, get into a small group. So easy. Go to cfmiami.org. And there you can uh, slash groups, that website. When you go there, then you just fill out your form and just pick whatever group you like. You know, if you're a youth or if you're a young adult, if you're a men, women, uh, special interest, listen, whatever it is, the key is surround yourself with God's people, right? So that, you know, we all need community, gospel community for these seasons in life. And, and this, for this topic, is no different. But church, can you give it a big time and encourage her? Man, for what an amazing story. And if you don't mind, go ahead and stand up with me at all campuses. Go ahead and stand up with me. And Jessica, thank you so much. Man, God bless you for, for man, the blessing you are for our church and for your time today. And listen, church, I want to challenge you. Be back next week. Uh, it's Father's Day weekend. We're launching off our new series on the Spirit of God through Romans chapter. It's going to be special. But let me pray for us, and then we'll be dismissed. Father God, we are love you so much. And my prayer, oh God, for all of us, Lord, is as we move forward, Father, we be a church, oh Lord, that reflects your heart, that we will stand for truth, but Father, we will always walk in love, compassion, and understanding so that we can always reflect your heart. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray and all of God's people say, amen. Hey, God bless you. Have a great weekend.